I'm starting a new series over the next few weeks called Christmas Carols. We're going to look at some uh, some Christmas carols, some important ones. And I'm sorry if I don't get uh, to your favorite uh, because I thought about this and like picked some that I thought are important and significant. But this series could be like 15 weeks long if we were trying to think of all uh, the great Christmas uh, songs and carols. So if I don't uh, get to your Christmas song or Christmas carol that's your favorite, just email me, um, Austin at Glendale.Church, and I'll, I'll take care of, of all of your problems. Uh, so just go ahead um, and, and do that. And one reason why I think there are, are so many interesting things about this season is this is like the one season of the year that like there's just countless amounts of music, right? And there, there's so much. There's, there's popular songs. Um, there's other ones. I had the... the um, great joy of explaining a Santa baby to my son. He's like, what is that song about? I was like, I don't even really, really know. But there's, there's so much music during this season. It's, it's different. There's trees. There's, there's lights everywhere. And it's because we are anticipating something. The Christian calendar has called this season Advent, which simply means waiting. It's us waiting once again on the arrival of Christ, once again on Christ's second coming, and then also as we think about the time that God came to earth as a baby. And so there's all of this music and all of this celebration and joy, and I wanted to think specifically about some Christmas carols that I think are very meaningful to us. And the one I want to talk about today is the one that you just saw the video of, Go Tell It on the Mountain. And that one is especially, I think, should be significant to us because most Christmas hymns are from Europe. Uh, they come from that space, but this one uh, is from the United States and not necessarily from a, a great history. The song was sung on plantations by slaves and passed down from generation to generation. And it wasn't popularized until a group in 1871, here's a picture of them called the Fisk Jubilee Singers. They're singers from a university called Fisk University. And the school had been around for five years and they were struggling uh, because of the economic realities uh, of that time. And so they formed this choir called the Fisk Jubilee Singers. And these singers traveled all over the world and they shared music that had been passed down from parents and, and grandparents from the times of slavery. And their singing actually saved the school. And it's still there to this day. The Fisk University Singers are still around. They actually just came out with an album that is their 150th um, anniversary celebration. So buy that as a Christmas gift. It'd be awesome to uh, support that work. There's an article that I was reading uh, specifically about uh, this song uh, that says this. If you go to that, that quote for me next. Thank you very much. The song likely dates back to the mid-19th centuries, but spirituals were passed from plantation to plantation orally, disseminating the songs without sheet music, let alone recordings, making them difficult to date accurately. The person responsible for making a Christmas classic of Go Tell It on the Mountain is a Nashville-born collector of spirituals named John Wesley Work uh, Jr. And he is the one who led the, the Fisk University uh, Jubilee Singers. And again, they, they traveled the world and popularized many, many songs, but one of them was Go Tell It on the mountain. And I think that's, for me, something that gives me something to, to think about. It begins by telling the story of Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. 
There were shepherds living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Think about the shepherds who first received this news. The scripture teaches that they were the night shepherds. Shepherds weren't looked on very highly in that time. Think of perhaps a job that comes to mind that is maybe considered a more lowly type job. Not only were they shepherds, but they were the night shepherds. They were the, the overnight people. You wouldn't expect, you would give this kind of news typically to, to kings or those who were important, and kings eventually get that news. But this message comes to just some random night workers. This life-changing news comes to people who wouldn't have been considered all that important, those who were on the outside of society. And I think about how they receive this this life-changing, everlasting news that Jesus is coming into the world, and they get to participate in it. And for a while, like their hearts leap with joy. And we don't know exactly what day Jesus was born or exactly what time of year, but let's just say they got this news on a Thursday, and then in a few days, Monday, comes back around, and they got to go be night watchmen again. Like, everything's changed, and nothing's changed. This world-changing event, which they, like, get to participate in and have, like, the special news of, everything has changed for human history, and also nothing has changed. And I can't help but Think of the connection that slaves in America would have had to that story. And think of this opening verse of of go tell it on the mountain while shepherds kept their watching over silent flocks at night. Continues with that very catchy, jubilant chorus, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And for our brothers and sisters who would sing that song and communicate it to each other, just like the shepherds, everything's changed, but also nothing changed. And I struggle at times, I think, to have the, the hopeful perspective that I should have. I have a lot of hashtag first world problems. I just, a couple weeks ago, uh, received a, a call and it, the person left a couple messages at the church. Uh, she called and she wasn't super angry or anything, but she said, just FYI, uh, your gardener has been getting dirt on my Mercedes at the church. So, 
could you just like figure that out? And then she called a few minutes later and left a message. And I think she realized like, oh, that's a really a first world problem. So she kind of backed down a little and she's like, Yo, can you just tell me uh, what, what day he's coming and then I can make sure not to have my Mercedes in the way. And so she, I think, kind of realized. And I, I got to talk to her, she, she was fine. But I think about how so many of my problems are that way. Like, I just, like come on. Like, as I think about Slaves in America singing, like, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. With, with such hope and anticipation and leaning into that reality, even when their context and situation continued to be incredibly difficult, almost impossibly hard. It's difficult for me to even wrap my mind around such a joyful song coming out of such a dark and difficult period. But I believe this song teaches us something. The book of Acts, in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, says this, In everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus Christ said himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I know that I've learned that over time, that there used to be a time my brother and I were, were so excited about waking up on Christmas morning. There was one time we woke up at 3 a.m. and we had just gotten the Free Willy, the first movie, and we watched Free Willy all the way through, and then it was still like 4.30, so we just hit rewind, and if you don't know the button, I'll tell you about it later, but we hit <laughs> rewind, and then we just watched Free Willy twice, you know, the iconic scene, and it was still 6 a.m., but we felt, finally felt like we could get our parents up at that point. We were, we were so excited about Christmas coming and the presents that we were getting, but that over time has morphed into being able to be part of giving gifts. And Mandy will tell you something that she's asked me to do is keep her gift closer to Christmas because I sometimes get a little bit too excited uh, giving her something. It's just, it's a blessing to give, right? It's a blessing. This is one of the joys of this season is, is just pausing a little bit out of the hectic nature of our lives and being able to, to give and say thank you to men and women that we don't necessarily always get a chance to. We get a chance to see just how powerful giving is. And I believe it's this beautiful song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, helps us to think about the powerful reality that we get hope by giving hope. That for all of us, there are things in our lives that are hard, that, that are broken, that, that are difficult. And again, it's, it's humbling to even compare our lives to brothers and sisters who were in slavery. As I think about that, it's just overwhelming to have a perspective that says, even though this is broken and difficult and hard, I'm going to choose to live with, with the hope that one day this isn't going to be like this anymore. 
And I'm going to choose to live into the hope and the reality that, that one day Jesus Christ is going to rule the world. Because he came as a baby and this news came to shepherds who were just out in a field and they were invited into this story and everything changed and nothing changed, but yet everything changed. And this reality changes things forever. So go tell it on the mountain because you and I, we, we get hope by giving hope. And when we plant the, the seeds and when we grow the stuff in our hearts and lives that we know is, is good and we choose to look at the good things, those things continue to sprout in us. And we see the hope of God that is for all of us, no matter how imperfect our lives are, because every Christmas, as great as it is, there are times that we realize losses that we've had. There are times where we realize the pain that is in our world. But we choose to look to places where we can grow the hope that we have and to see the good news of Jesus. I think of Martin Luther, the great reformer who helped to start the Reformation movement. We can go to that in just a second. We don't need it quite yet. Uh, and Martin Luther, uh, he stood up to the Catholic Church and said things that were really hard and brought things to their attention that were extremely difficult during that time. And because of that, he was often on the run. He was dealing with all of the difficulties of speaking out against unjust systems and doing like important work. And so he often was like fearing for his life and, and finding himself hiding from authorities. And he continues to do it. And Martin Luther has influenced your life and my life perhaps more than any other by trying to in, really get people back to, to reading the scriptures and getting deep into the understanding of that God justifies us and that alone is it. And Martin Luther said, even if I knew that tomorrow the world would go to pieces, I still would plant my apple tree. Like, even if I knew that the world was going to end, and in 2021, as, as Philip sang about earlier, it sometimes feels like the world is going to come to an end because of what we're dealing with and, and the pressure that we have, but we choose to plant hope because you get hope by giving hope. That sort of giving it changes the world and it's sustaining joy. I think about the Apostle Paul who went around to churches and tried to preach this important message about Jesus. And much of your New Testament is about how do we get outsiders into churches? Like, what are we supposed to do? This has been a Jewish religion for thousands of years. So what are we supposed to do? What are outsiders uh, supposed to do? And uh, the question is, do they have to get circumcised? And how does that look? And what happens? And if you have to do that, that really influences your new member classes, because that's a really hard thing uh, to ask people. And so what do we do? How do outsiders become a part of this? How do we make this happen. And, and Paul just dramatically writes unbelievable things and basically says, like, if you're going to ask them to uh, circumcise themselves, then you might as well just go the whole way. It's actually in there in the Bible. He says some really hard things about we are going to go so far to reach outsiders that it's just going to be unbelievable. Like, we are going to do so much to reach beyond the walls of just Jewish people and open this faith up because that's what Jesus was about. But most historians believe that 
Paul didn't really see that happen in his lifetime. That he died for that mission, but he didn't see it. But around the world, we have churches that try our best in our good ways to practice being parts of communities where your background doesn't define you and what you do doesn't define you because the message of Jesus Christ goes out to night shepherds and broken people, people who bring all sorts of backgrounds to the table. But Paul likely didn't see it in his lifetime. But you get hope by giving hope. So go tell it on the mountain because Jesus Christ has come. And that changes everything. As I was thinking about this message, I couldn't help but think of our friend Nick and his going through cancer. And for those who would, I just ask that you continue to pray. Nick has just completed his fourth round of chemo and we're prayerfully hoping that uh, in the next cycle as they do another set of scans that the cancer will be gone, which we're really hoping for. But I'm so blessed to spend time with people like Nick as they face difficult things. I know not everybody has, has that opportunity. So I asked Nick during his, his third round to share a little bit about his faith and his perspective. And I wanted to share that with you right now. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm here in, with Brian, uh, finishing up my third cycle of chemo, and uh, just wanted to share a little bit of thoughts on what faith throughout this whole thing uh, kind of looks like to me. Um, in Hebrews 11, verse 1, says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of, not, uh, the evidence of things not seen. Now, what that tells me is that uh, how, how I'm relating that to my, my cycle and my treatment is that when I was first admitted here, um, I had no idea uh, how this whole process was going to go, let alone if any of these treatments were, were going to work. But throughout this whole process, God has uh, shown, I believe God has shown me that um, in order to make it through something as tough as this and situations of the like, we have to draw near him. We have to believe that uh, uh, that there is uh, a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's, uh, and we have to believe that these things are gonna work. You know, we have to believe in our power of prayer. We, all of this is, is belief because whenever, whenever, there are situations and circumstances we can't explain or, um, or we're trying to make it through something that we have no idea how we're going to survive at the very end of it. We have to fall back on our belief um, and, 
and understand that our faith is going to carry us through. And I'd like to conclude with um, a very popular verse that speaks to me and many others. It's uh, in Psalm 23, uh, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And that's, that couldn't be more true. It doesn't matter what we're, go we're all going through, whether we're at the highest peak or the darkest valley, um, God is always there with us and he's always gonna have us in our right hand. He's gonna keep pushing us forward and helping. He's got his shoulder around, uh, got his arm around our shoulder, helping us through. And so having faith in, in God, that's, that's what's gonna carry you through to the end. We're so blessed by Nick and his, his courage, and I know we're all praying for him. And that's one of the powerful parts of, of being part of a Christian community is there's gonna be people who are going through hard times and we're celebrating with people as well, but we get always reminded of uh, the fact that there's hard stuff going on for everybody and we're all struggling and have different things that we're dealing with. But may we have the perspective that chooses to have the sustaining faith of God, to look at, at our lives and the difficulties that we sometimes see and to choose to say, even though I don't know how things are gonna turn out, I still will choose to just grow hope in my life. I'm gonna choose to, to give hope to others because it, it changes us and changes those that we interact with. We're gonna close by singing Go Tell It on the Mountain together. And I hope that this song stirs in all of us the desire that we need to have to go and, and share the good news of Jesus and to give hope to people in our lives. Let's pray together. God, we, we are thankful for, for Nick and, and his story. We're thankful for this song, which reminds us to seek out the, the good that we need, which reminds us to see the, the good that is in our world and to grow that, which reminds us of people who faced incredibly difficult circumstances and yet still persisted in hope. May we persist in that hope and choose to follow you and to give even at times when we feel like we don't have a lot because of what you've done for us. And help us to see hope all around and to give it to others during this time. Your son, Jesus, and I pray, amen.